You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. If he's brought you back to life, man, let's shout for God right now. Come on now. If you've been born again and set free from your sin, let's shout for the God who loves us. Let's praise him right now. He's brought us back to life. The hope of heaven is before us. The grave is behind us. Just like Lazarus, he's called us by name. He said, Lazarus, come forward. He said, Ralph, come forward. He said, Daryl, come forward. Maddie, come forward. Javon, come forward. You, Vince, come forward. He's called us by name. Hallelujah. He's brought us back to life. If he brought you back to life, come on, let's praise him one more time right now. You know, before you sit down, we're going to read this scripture together, and you can read it silent there. I'll read it out loud. And it it, it goes along the lines of what Jeff was sharing earlier about communion. It says, it was during dinner, during dinner, when the devil had already put the thought of betraying Jesus into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. That Jesus, knowing that the Father had put everything into his hands and that he had come from God and was returning to God, Jesus understood his identity. He he knew where he came from and where he was going. He got up. Everybody say, got got up. He got up from supper. Everybody say, took off. He took off his outer robe and taking a servant's towel, he tied it around his waist. Now turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, come on, come on, come on, come on. Turn to the other one. That that might be the other person you need to be talking about. Say, neighbor, we're going to learn how to serve like our Savior. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Come on, guys. If you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us. People all over the world are joining us from online. Man, put it in the chat. Jesus got up, he took off, and he put on the towel around his waist. In fact, say it with me. Say, everybody say this. Say, he got up, he took off, and he put on. He, 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 he expresses three different actions during supper. And many of us know this story as the story of the last supper is the Passover supper. And Jesus is letting them know, hey, look, I am your atoning sacrifice. And it was very customary. In fact, it was hospitable that when someone came into your house for dinner that you would wash their feet. It would normally be a servant at the door who would wash their feet. And, and here's the reason why their feet had to be washed is because they didn't have tables like us. In fact, they would lay down on their sides like this and eat with their right hand. And they were discussing at the table, man, what, what happened today? This is during supper. And man, did you see Jesus do this or that? And Peter, man, when you were talking to that lady over there, this or that happened. But at the supper, the disciples were not really so much focused on washing feet. They were actually focused on each other. In fact, it goes on to say that Judas it had already entered in his heart to betray Jesus. 
They're focused on each other. They had already had a discussion about who's the greatest. Who's going to be great? And as they're eating supper, Jesus does something very countercultural, something kind of crazy. He, he got up, he took off his robe, and he put on a towel. He didn't make an announcement. He just took an action. He got up, took off, and he put on the towel. And he's washing feet. And something crazy happens because the disciples are like, wait, whoa, 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 Jesus, wait a minute, man. You're, you're our teacher. You're our rabbi. Like, what are you doing? You ever had one of those moments where somebody's doing something, they should be like, it's kind of like grandma on Thanksgiving, and you, everybody's serving her, and then she gets up and she starts washing dishes while we're eating. Like, whoa, grandma, what you doing? Don't, we, we're going to take care of the dishes. You, you should be sitting down. And there's something interesting that happens at that point as we look at this story. Because see, many times we could be focusing on not serving each other and miss out on serving the Lord. See, none of them wanted Jesus to wash their feet, but they were not willing to wash each other's feet. See, it was hospitable. It was customary that you come into my house, your feet are going to get washed. If the servant is not there, then someone's going to do it. In fact, when I think about washing feet, do you realize that washing feet puts us in the most humble role because we have to get down to where the feet are in order to wash them? And here comes Jesus doing this, and he's our example. In fact, Peter's lit up. Peter's like, hold up, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. Jesus is like, hold up, Peter, chill out. You know, your emotions always get in the way, Peter. I'm a lot like Peter. And Jesus said, no, just, just calm down, because see, Peter, if you, if you had that same energy when we walked in here, you're actually the leader of the disciples. You probably should have washed everybody's feet. But you were probably like Ralph. You probably was looking at Judas across the table saying, Ain't something, something ain't right about Judas, man. I got beef with Judas. It's kind of like when we walk in church and we sit on a certain side because we're looking at her or him and we're like, I don't know, I don't know about him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know if they can be in my small group. I don't know if I'm going to invite them to my birthday. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if they should really be. In fact, let's invite them there because I need to keep my eye on them. I don't know about Judas. But see, what Jesus says in verse 15 is very powerful. He says, I've given you an example that you might do this for each other. See, if we're going to serve like our Savior, we got to get up, and we got to take off, and we got to put on. See, Jesus gets up, and he takes off his robe. And see, when Jesus takes his robe off, he's taking off his teaching robe. He's taking off his rabbi robe. You know, for some of us, we got to take off our, our right to be right robe. We got to take off our dad robe. We got to take off our CEO robe and start serving in our business. We got to take off these things so that we can be humble enough to serve those who are around us. See, Jesus says, I've done this as an example so that you might serve each other. In fact, I want you to know how and why to serve one another. In that moment, Jesus puts down his lordship. He puts down his teacher. He puts down being savior for the sake of an example. See, he was, he's our savior. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that costs Ralph, any kind of peace that I have in my life was set upon him, and by his wounds we're healed. Guess what that comes with, guys? 
It comes with service. It comes with getting up, taking off, and putting on. He's not only Lord, yet he's our brother. He's not only Savior, he calls us his friends. In fact, in Hebrews 2, it says that he's the captain of our salvation. He goes before us and he fights on our behalf. He sets a way in place for us to have a relationship with God. It reminds me, when I was in the military, I was a part of Special Operations Command down at McDill, and we used to do these big assemblies, and there's four or 500 of us in this assembly hall, and I never forget, it was post 9-11, and we used to watch the name of all the special operators who had given their life for the sake of their country just go across the screen every, every assembly. And this day, something different happened. There was a Marine Corps general in the front of the room. And as the name started to go up, he stepped forward and he saluted. And without a word, 500, 400 men and women who had given their life for the sake of their country stood up at the same time and saluted. And there was something that happened to me in that moment that had never happened to me in my life. I realized that I was serving something bigger than myself. I realized that though he was a general, that I would follow him into, the bat into battle. I realized in that moment that he was humble enough to recognize those who had gone before him. I realized in that moment that he had honor, he had commitment, he had courage, and I was like, I can follow that. And I realized when I read my Bible that Jesus does the same thing. He goes before us and he stands before darkness. He goes before us as an example. He goes before us and he takes the cross and he asks us to take the cross. And he goes before for us and he serves us so that we might have salvation. That way we might follow him. And you might ask me, well, where is Jesus standing right now? Well, he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father. And with Stephen in the book of Acts, he's getting stoned. He is the very first Christian martyr. And, and, and he's preaching the gospel and these people clog their ears and they, they start throwing stones at him. They start yelling and screaming at him. And as they're stoning him, it says that he looks up in heaven and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, saluting, respecting the fact that he had given his life for him. You see, Stephen understood what it was like to get up to take off and to put on. And there was a man named Paul that was standing there and it says that Paul in Acts 8, it says that he was standing there, actually Acts 7, he's holding the coats of the men who were stoning Stephen. He consented to Stephen's death, this man named Paul. And many of you know who Paul is. Paul is, he wrote 33% of the New Testament. But Paul was a persecutor of Christians. He was a murderer. He would get letters from the church and he would go and he would come, a place, come to a place like this and he would rally us up and he would chain us up and he'd drag us somewhere. And here he is holding the coats until one day he's on the road to a place called Damascus. And he's on the road to Damascus and as he's on the road, there's this light that shines on him so bright it knocks him down and it blinds him. And he's on the floor or on the ground and he's saying, Lord, who are you? And Jesus speaks directly to him. He said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. He said, get up. And Paul got up. 
He says, now go see Ananias. And he goes to see Ananias, and Ananias causes the, he lays hands on him, and the scales from his eyes come off. And what Paul did, he not only got up, but he took off his old life. He surrendered his life to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I'm, I'm living for you. I am for you. I'm not against you anymore. In fact, everything that I had, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. On the eighth day, I was circumcised. I sat at the feet of Gamel. I am somebody very special. But Paul said, no, I'm, I'm laying that down. I'm going to take that off, and I'm going to take and put on this apron, this servant's apron. I'm here to tell you, that Jesus calls all of us to get up, to take off, and to put on some things. He calls us to get up, to take off, and to put on some things. In fact, our first point is this. We serve Jesus because Jesus served us. Jesus served us. And then we have this example of Paul. Paul got up. He took off his old life, all his, his, his business acumen, he took off everything that gave him the right to be somebody in this life. And the persecutor of Christians became one persecuted because he was a Christian. God called him to live his life for him. You see, the Christian life is not easy, guys. Anybody that signs you up for that one, man, they got you. That's like my recruiter that signed me up for the Navy. He got me. He got me. He told me we were just going to party and hang out and it was going to be a great time. And he was lying. I found out like in 24 hours he wasn't telling the truth. But as we go through things, Paul shares something very powerful. He writes this story. He writes not really a story, but he writes this letter to the, to the Philippian church. It's a church that he founded. And he says something in chapter one that I want us to kind of really lean into. Everybody say he got up off and he put on and see when you put some things on here's what happens Philippians 1 12 14 it says and I want you to know my dear brothers and sisters that everything that has happened to me here has happened to spread the good news what everything that happened to me here has happened has helped to spread the good news for everyone here even the cold palace guard knows that I am in chains because of Christ and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers have gained a confidence. Because I'm in prison, the believers have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. You see, Paul served Jesus because Jesus served Paul. And here he is in prison. He's in prison for five years, guys. He's under house arrest, and he's actually in prison for something he didn't even do. Yet he has joy. How can you have joy in circumstances when things happen to you and you feel wronged? Anybody ever lost a job? Anybody ever been sick and they like, that sickness just comes out of nowhere? Anybody ever been through a breakup or a divorce? Or a divorce? Anybody kids ever kind of gone astray? Anybody been lied to, cheated on, disrespected? Am I the only one? I see y'all throw your hands up. If I hit anything you talking about, put your hand up. If you're like, yeah, right? Paul says this about those things. All that has happened to me has happened so that the gospel 
may go forward. And that people who see me, people who are watching as I walk through this turmoil in my life, they will have confidence in God because they will see how I handle this and they'll have great confidence to preach the gospel themselves. So all that has happened to you, whatever it is, did the gospel come out of it? See, I've been looking at my life lately and I've been thinking to myself, like Ralph, you know what? Let me, can I, I'm gonna be real with y'all. Can I, can I be real with y'all right quick? I was having breakfast with my wife the other morning. And we're sitting there having coffee and she's, we're talking and we're talking about some things going on. I, I, I just 100 with you, it's been a rough year. And I'm like, yeah. And she looks at me across the table and she said, hey, you know what, you're different. I'm like, what you mean? I'm the same me, what are you, what are you talking about? She's like, no, you, you just, you're a little bit edgy. You're kind of sarcastic. You know, you kind of, you know, people can't say stuff to you. You're not that old jovial Ralph. She, she was speaking to something. See, I was getting up every day. I was showing up. But as I tried to take off and serve, there was something in me that God had to deal with. And the gospel wasn't coming out. What was coming out is sarcasm. What was coming out is anger. What was coming out is bitterness. And see, when we open up and we take off, what we're doing is say, God, you know what? Can you deal with this? Because I'm not prepared to serve you or your people if I got this going on. Anybody got this going on? Well, I don't know what your this is. I don't, I don't know, but my, my this is, you better not disrespect me. My this is my bitterness. My this is, I'm mad. My this is, don't talk to me like that. My this is, you owe me something. My this is, I probably should have been promoted and not them. My this is getting in the way of taking up the towel and serving like this. See, I don't, Husbands, I don't know what your this is. Why oh, you can't serve your wife? Our wife, I don't know why you can't serve your husband. I don't know what your this is. But God wants to serve, he wants to deal with our this because he wants us to get up, take off, and to put on for the sake of the good news so that others can be confident about, the, about God's message. It reminds me of the story. Tony Dungy shared this, man. Love him. He, he goes to church here. He shared his story at Main Event. Men, did you enjoy Main Event? Come on. Let's go. Main Event was good, right? So Tony gets up here and he shares this story. He said, hey, many of you guys remember when I got fired from the Bucks. Everybody else remember that. And on the video, it shows Tony Dungy carrying a box outside, 12 midnight, on the camera. Terrible. Raining. It was horrible. It was bad. It was emotionally draining to watch. Somebody that did nothing to deserve being fired, got fired. And he was just trying to leave quietly. And this guy caught it on camera and it was plastered all over the news. And Tony tells the story, he's driving north on Dale Mabry, he turns on Bears Avenue and he says, I look up and I think, and I ask God, God, why is this happening? I move my entire family here we have a great church. My wife Lauren and I, we're serving the Lord. People are coming to know you, God. Why is this happening to me? Anybody ever had a why is this happening to me moment? And he says, two days later, 48 hours later, the phone rings and it's the president of the Colts. And he says, hey, Tony Dungy, I'm reaching out to you. This is not an interview. This is an offer. 
He's like, what do you mean offer? He's like, what do you want? What, what do you want for us to have you? You name the price. And we know how the rest of the story goes. If that ain't crazy enough, we know how the rest of the story. The rest of the story goes like this. He becomes a Super Bowl winning coach. And then the people who fire him actually induct him into the ring of honor, which is crazy to me. Then he goes on to be in the Hall of Fame. And because of what happens, many people hear and know the gospel. See, the things that happen to us are for us to be used for the sake of the gospel. When you're squeezed, what comes out of your life? It should be for the sake of the gospel. And this is how we serve like our Savior, because we get up, we take off, and we put on. So not only is Jesus our example, so not only Paul is our example, you see the trend? Do y'all see it? Start it. Y'all talk to me. Y'all see it? Yes? Amen? Come on, talk to me. Do y'all see that Jesus is an example of getting up, taking off, and putting on? Yes? Do you see that Paul is an example of getting up, taking off, and putting on? Do you realize that we must be examples of getting up, taking off, and putting on. Now, if you didn't know, you're getting ready to know. Here's the next verse. Paul says this in Philippians 2.1. And these questions are rhetorical questions, meaning the answer, you already know it. But I love how Paul writes this. He's like, you know what? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort in his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Now, they're going to leave those up on the screen, and we're going to go over them again. Now, the answer to every single one of those questions is yes. yes. So, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yes. See, I'm encouraged in Christ. Here's, here's why I'm encouraged in Christ. Because he chose me from the foundation of the world, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That he knit me together in my mother's womb. That he chose me as a royal priesthood. He chose me as a holy nation. That I'm a part of the body of Christ. That matter what background you have, no matter your ethnicity or your culture, you're my brother and sister in Christ. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what your gender is. You're my brother and sister in Christ. In fact, you are eternally valuable. You bear the imago Dei, the image of God. Therefore, I treat you with honor and respect. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Yeah, I would say there is some encouragement from belonging to Christ. Is there any comfort in his love? You've been comforted by his love? Come on now. His love is comforting. In fact, it said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It says that greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. It says that he who knew no sin loved me so much that he became sin for me. Now that's love. In fact, in Romans 8, it says this. I love this. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that we found in Christ Jesus. Neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things to come. Angels or demons, fears for today, no worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation. 
all creation. Anything that's ever been creation, created, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. So I ask you again, is there any comfort in that kind of love? So we're encouraged from belonging to Christ. We're comforted by his love. Is there any fellowship together with the Spirit? You mean, Ralph, the Spirit of God that lives in me, the same Spirit that raised Jesus for the dead lives in me? You mean the comforter? You mean the helper? The one, the paraclete? Where we get the word paralegal, the one who is for us, that that makes intercession in and through us with groans that can't be uttered. Is there any fellowship with the Spirit? Yeah. Yeah. Three for three ain't bad. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Are your, has he changed you from the inside out? Do you kind of see things a little different? Like when you got born again, did people like look at you and be like, bro, you different now. Like you love people different. You ain't driving down Dale maybe with your hang finger out the window. You're doing some different things with your life now. You don't cuss people out like you used to. You don't go to the club like you used to. You don't even want to listen to that kind of music no more. Like that don't entertain you anymore because something on the inside of you changed you on the outside. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Yeah. See, Paul sets us up. And you just been set up. Because individually, we can answer yes to every single one of those questions. Because each one of those questions are benefits from having a relationship with Jesus. But then he flips the script, and this is where you're getting ready to get uncomfortable. See, I'm cool when I have encouragement from belonging to Christ. I'm cool when I got comfort in his love. I am cool when I'm fellowshipping with the Spirit by myself. I'm cool and I got tender mercies and love. The problem comes in is when I got to step out of my room and deal with y'all. And deal with my wife. And deal with my kids. But see, Paul says, if it's true for you, if you can answer yes to that question and you're dealing with someone for singles, this one's for you. This is why it's so important for you not to missionary date. If he can't say yes to all those questions, don't date them. Because see, if he can say yes to that, and you can say yes to those questions, when you come together, you have unity. And see, that unity is not easily broken because he says this in Philippians 2.2. He says, then make my, make my joy full. In other words, in, another ver- in this verse, it says truly happy. But it, he says, complete my joy by agreeing. See, it brings agreement. Everybody said yes, right? It brings agreement wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, there it is, working together, there it is, in one mind and one purpose. We serve in unity because Jesus unifies us. You want to hear the problem right now? Not at Grace Family Church because we're perfect. You know what the problem is? We're not unified. And I got to experience something that disturbed me, and I'm going to share it with you. We went to a, Tracy and I went to a concert, a Christian concert in Jacksonville. We had an amazing time. The Holy Spirit was moving. Hundreds of people came to Jesus. I mean, it was crazy, awesome, great time. We walk out, hundreds of people walking out of this concert, just high-fiving. I mean, everybody's on one accord. And we walk out, and across the street from the concert is a group of people telling all the people who just came out of the concert that they were going to hell. 
And I, and I stood there with my wife in between these two opinions. You weren't even in there. You have no idea what God was doing in that building. Who are you to judge these people? And it rocked me, man. It rocked me to this point. I told my wife, and I'll say this in public, if I wasn't a Christian, I would be discouraged from being a Christian. If I had not already been a follower of Christ, I would have been like, bro, if that's y'all God, I'm good. Because we do that in the world. Like, I, I was doing that when I was in the club. Like, having beef with people, that, that's something else. And see, here's the reality of it. Some of us need to give up our right to be right for the sake of righteousness. Some of us need to give up our right to be right for the sake of righteousness. Man, if my bitterness and unforgiveness is driving you to hell, oh my gosh, I don't want to deal with Jesus. Man, if it's stopping people from talking to you because you got beef with them, and then they die and you're like, oh man, I wish I'd have had the opportunity. You know, the opportunity is now to get up. Take off that anger. Take off that bitterness. Take off that unforgiveness. Take off the thing that's separating you from your family. Take off and, and move towards them and serve them. And take the towel. You know, Paul addresses two women that are going through this in Philippians 4, 2-3. He says, now I appeal to Odea and Syntyche. Don't name your kids those two names. <laughs> Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Because you belong to the Lord, settle it. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they work hard with me, telling others what? The good news. They're in ministry. They worked alongside Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Yo, their names are in the book of life. And Paul says, listen, dude, stop tripping and beefing with each other because you belong to Christ. But wait a minute, I don't like the way, no, because you belong to Christ. Oh, but wait a minute, they took my parking space. No, because you belong to Christ. Oh, I don't like the way she looked at me. No, because you belong to Christ. Oh, I don't like the way they treat my kids. No, because you belong to Christ. Here's the reason, because you belong to Christ. I don't care what the other reason is. We got to take off, expose the reason so God can deal with the reason, because you belong to Christ. Your name's in the book of life. Why are you driving people away from it by disagreements? He unifies us. And, and he calls them by name. And, and then he tells the dude, he said, like, my true partner, why don't you help these two women? Now, I don't know what neighborhood you're from, but where I'm from, you don't get between two women that's fighting. Because y'all can fight. You know, women, like dudes, we fight like that. Women, are they already planned it. They're like, you know what, let me put this Vaseline on my face, take my earrings off. Oh, yeah, I do remember she said that. Oh, yeah. When I see her at church Sunday, I'm just going to, you know what I mean? Like, that's how women fight. They already, they got some reasons behind what they're getting ready to do. When all the women said, y'all Christians, but I know y'all used to fight. Here we go. The actions we take every day will preach way more sermons than our mouths ever will. The actions we take every day will preach way more sermons than our mouths ever will. And I asked myself this question. I'm like, yo, Ralph. If the Bible was being written today with your name being in it, what would it say? Like, would you be the dude that has a disagreement with somebody? Would you be the dude who was mean to people? Would you be the dude that was spazzing? Would you be the dude that was unapproachable? Would you be the dude that couldn't pray with people? Would you, like, like would you, would it represent you as the one that took the apron and served? 
Philippians 2.3 says this, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. That's the society we live in. It's amazing that he writes this back then. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take the interests of others too. You must have the same mind that Christ Jesus had. We serve in humility because Jesus is our example. And humility is hard. You got to put it on, guys. But you got to take off pride first. You got to take off pride in order to put on humility. You know, Rick Warren says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's putting your wife first. It's putting your kids first. It's putting your mom first. Because everybody's watching how you treat your mom because one day your kid's going to treat you like that. It's the reason why the Bible says honor your mother and father. Young people, God's calling you to take off your pride and put on some things. It says have this same attitude that Jesus had. What attitude did Jesus have? It said though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to obedience to God. His, humble, his humility led him into obedience to God. And obedience to God led him to the cross. See, service, he got up in heaven. He put on, he, opened, he, he took off his equality with God his divine privileges, and he humbled himself. And that obedience led him to a cross that leads you here. It leads you here. See, there's room at the cross for you. There's space there for you because he served. You know, Matthew, Jesus got up. And we're going to get up. Everybody get up. Come on. One, two, three. Get up. Do y'all notice how easy it is to get up? Sometimes it gets hard, man. I'm getting old. He got up. When I think about getting up, it's responding to the call of God. It's knowing that he's called your name from the grave. He's called you out. Hallelujah. He's brought you back to life. And we get up, but then we got to take off. And before we take off, I want, I, want, I want you to understand, everybody do this. Do the Superman thing. That's, that's like a thing now. Right? This is why you can take off. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, paying the price to set them, everybody say it. Free. Say it like you mean it. Free. From the penalty of sin. He set you free. He set you free, so stop carrying it. He set you free, so take off your pride. He set you free, so take off your shame. He sets you free, so take off your bitterness. He sets you free, so take off your jealousy. He sets you free, so take off the control and the fear and the selfish ambitions. He sets you free, take off the self-sabotage. He sets you free, 
All you got to do is take it off. And over these next few moments, we're going to open this up and I think they're here. Y'all here? Come on. We're going to open this up and we're going to make this a place where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so maybe you're here right now and you're saying, Ralph, I'm getting up because I need a relationship with God. I need him to save me. He served me by going to the cross and I want to commit my life to Jesus. The altar is open. Like you can come up and the prayer team's coming up. Prayer team, come on. Like the altar's open. Like we're going to take a step. These are action steps. Or maybe you're here right now and you want to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe you've been like at the dinner table chilling and not doing anything. And God's saying, take it off, man. Take off the pride. Take off the anger. God's redeeming marriages right now. But see, he can't deal with what you won't expose. Are you with me? He can't deal with what you won't expose. He's already paid the penalty. Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.